Welcome to Almost Obsolete, where we'll talk about the challenges of raising teens and tweens. My name is Susie John, and I'm so glad that you're here. Hello, my friends. I hope this finds you well and that you had a lovely holiday season, uh, that it was not super stressful and that you enjoyed all of the fun that goes along with that. Um, we had a really nice one, despite some major challenges that came our way throughout the season, but um, I just love Christmas. I just love that the holidays, and it was very fun to get to spend some time with family and to spend time with my girls, and um, so I'm hoping the same for you. Today, as we jump into this week's podcast, um, I wanted to talk about something that is something I've dealt with personally, and that is eating disorders. Um, and I don't mean I dealt with it personally as an I suffered from one, but rather one of my children, and actually several of my children, are struggling or have struggled in the past with eating. Um, and there are three main types um, three common types of eating disorders, uh, binge eating, bulimia, and anorexia. These are the ones that, that most everyone know. And I'm going to walk through a little bit about each of those. Um, but before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit about my personal experience. Um, when one of my kids was officially diagnosed with an eating disorder, it came as a complete shock to me, which it probably shouldn't have. <laughs> but whether it should or shouldn't is irrelevant because it did. I didn't realize how much she was struggling, and I didn't realize how much the, th the things that were going on around her were impacting her. Um, so she was a dancer, and she is by no means overweight and never has been, um, always been quite thin. But as she started to go through puberty, her body changed pretty dramatically. She went from being um, more, more waif-like and, and slender to being a little bit more curvy, still incredibly thin, in through the waist, but she suddenly had a chest and hips that she had not had before. And I think that came as quite a shock. And when you're a dancer, the expectation is that you will be stick thin. And there's a certain body type that goes with dancing. And she didn't have that body type. And although she was a beautiful dancer and um, just lovely to watch on stage, and I know I'm biased, but still, a lot of people said that, not just me. Um, it was difficult for her to sit in class with all those mirrors surrounding her and be faced every day with the fact that she, her body didn't look like some of the other bodies that were in class. And that became incredibly overwhelming for her. In addition, uh, we were dealing with some other things in our family that were challenging at that time. And 
uh, one of the things that I have come to discover through eating disorders is that it's not necessarily all about weight. Um, it is in some cases, and in a lot of cases, that's how it starts. But it's also about control. Because what you put into your body, you have control over. What you don't put into your body, you have control over. Um, and so for, for someone who's struggling with either anorexia or bulimia, control is a big factor. Uh, with binging, um, and that is you know where you eat a lot of food in a short period of time, the, it's the lack of control in that that um, leads to so much shame and embarrassment uh, for the person who's doing it. So, but there is a lot of things that have to do with control there when you're talking about an eating disorder. Um, and that is actually one that I feel like impacted her and as well as one of my other children who is actually currently struggling to eat properly. Um, so I'm going to stop for a second with this personal story and talk a little bit about the different types of, uh, of eating. Um, so I mentioned the binge eating. That's where regularly, like at least once a week for maybe three months or more, you consume a large amount of food in a short amount of time. It's called binging. And in that binge session, there's very little control by the person who's binging. They're usually really embarrassed about the amount of food that they eat. Often it's done in secret. Um, and sometimes they may even hide food so that they can eat it without people noticing. Um, a lot of people who have this disorder try to diet without success. And they promise themselves that they're going to stop eating so much, but they just can't seem to control the urge to eat large amounts of food. And often these people end up becoming overweight or obese. Um, so some, some of the symptoms or, or factors that happen with binge eating is, is that they eat a large amount of food in a short amount of time. They'll eat even when they're not hungry. They'll eat to the point where they're feeling uncomfortable or sick. They will sneak food, hide food. They like to eat by themselves. Um, they'll eat normally during mealtimes or, or even... Uh, I know of several people who suffer from this, and they'll eat smaller than normal amounts during mealtimes and then just eat tons of food when other people aren't around. And this leads to feelings of being disgusted, depressed, or feeling guilty. Um, and of course, there are major health risks with this, uh, number one being weight gain, of course, that's, but which can lead to heart disease or diabetes or high blood pressure, or high cholesterol, stomach issues. Um, all of those things can come from that. Uh, the, the next step I want to talk about is bulimia, and that uh, is somebody who basically throws up or uses laxatives to remove food from their body, um, and this is called purging. So they often will actually binge and then purge. That's a very common thing with bulimia, um, although not necessarily the binging part. Sometimes people will eat a normal amount of food like at meal times and then immediately excuse themselves to go throw up afterwards or you know use a laxative afterwards to get rid of all of that um, they people who do this will hide it uh, I think that's the case for all of these that that it's it's very secretive um, it's very much related to shame and that's and you know shame likes to be kept in the secret in the in the 
place where nobody knows. And uh, so that's often what happens with bulimia. Um, people who have bulimia often are close to a normal weight, um, but they, their weight may go up and down depending on their cycle of how they're eating and binging and purging. Um, so some, some, some signs might be that, they are, that the, they're sneaking food, they're hiding empty containers of food, uh, they're skipping meals or eating only small portion sizes during you know, regular meal times. They avoid eating around other people. Um, they'll vomit after eating. They'll, so they'll often, ex like I said, excuse themselves from the table after eating, immediately go to the bathroom to vomit. Um, they use maybe water pills or laxatives. They, they often fast or they will exercise aggressively um, in an effort to try and control their weight. Um, some of the health risks, uh, once again, is weight gain because of the bingings in some cases. Uh, stomach problems, heart problems, kidney problems, dental problems. Uh, you can't vomit all the time and not have issues with your teeth. And in severe cases, it can actually lead to death. Um, and then there's anorexia, anorexia nervosa. That's uh, where people are obsessed with being thin. So they don't want to eat and they're afraid of gaining weight and they constantly worry about how many calories they're consuming or how much fat is in their food or um, they may actually also take diet pills, laxatives or water pills to lose weight. They may overexercise. Um, people with anorexia think that they're fat even if they're very thin. So they kind of have a body dysmorphia thing where they look in the mirror and they see a fat person even when everyone else would look at them and think that, oh my goodness, they're so thin and something is wrong, right? So symptoms of anorexia is, one of them is being very thin um, or feeling overweight in spite of being very thin. There's a fear of gaining weight, obsessing about food, constantly counting calories, carbohydrates, fat. Um, they, they sometimes will create food rituals. For example, like they'll chew each bite a certain number of times before swallowing. Um, They'll exercise excessively. Maybe they'll use diet or water pills or laxatives. Uh, their periods, if they're, if they're female, their periods are often irregular. Um, they often feel cold and many times will end up wearing baggy clothes to cover their weight loss. Uh, and there's a lot of health risks involved with anorexia as well. They have trouble concentrating, stomach problems, heart problems, kidney problems, osteoporosis. Their hair and skin dries out and is brittle. Um, it may be weakness, and of course, in very severe cases, it can lead to death. So this is a very serious problem um, for anyone, uh, but it does impact our teens in a pretty significant way. So many teens are influenced by what they see in social media or even what they see around them um, and what they hear. Uh, you know, it breaks my heart to think about the times when maybe I talked about needing to lose weight or whatever in front of my kids that, that potentially made them question their own weight. Um, obviously in recent years I've been very careful about how I talk about diet and exercise. Um, I, I try and focus more on being healthy as opposed to being a certain weight. Um, but I still fail in that sometimes because it's so ingrained in your brain, right? I did find some interesting statistics uh, about eating disorders in teens that I wanted to share. Um, I think it's interesting that 50% of teen girls and 30% of teen boys use unhealthy weight control behaviors. 
Um, the majority of teens who are impacted by eating disorders are female. 90% um, of teens with anorexia are female. But that doesn't mean that, that boys are excluded from that. Um, boys make up approximately 10 to 15% of the adolescents and teenage population with eating disorders. But they are much less likely to seek treatment because of the gender stereotypes that surround those disorders. It is so sad to me that by the age of 17, 89% of girls have dieted. That just is astounding to me. 50% um, of teens with anorexia will develop bulimia or a binge eating disorder. That was the true in the case of um, one of my kids. The, they started off just not eating hardly ever and then um, started being forced to eat by us and then moved into throwing it up afterwards. So um, it's, it's very common. The young women with anorexia are 12 times more likely to die than women of the same age who do not have anorexia. So it is a major impact on the health of our kids. Um, I think part of that is because 50% of teens with an eating disorder also suffer from depression. And I mean, you might ask what comes first, the, the you know, chicken or the egg in that scenario. Um, but with everything I've learned about what food does for our bodies, withholding food or throwing up food or getting rid of, you know, the nutrients in our body will significantly impact your brain because our guts and our brains are so connected. So it only makes sense that if you're not fueling your body properly or your brain properly, that you'll not see um, good feelings come out of that. So um, it, uh, also to note, 69% of females ages 10 to 18 state that photographs or images of models and celebrities in the media motivated their ideal body shape, so they're very impacted. Now, it is interesting that only 4% of adolescent teens ages, thir ages 13 to 18 suffer from anorexia, bulimia, or a binge eating disorder. I'm not sure I b believe that statistic. Uh, I believe that it's probably higher than that. I think that a lot of kids don't get the help that they need, and they don't um, ask for the help that they need. Uh, now, many kids who struggle with eating may not get to the level of actually having a disorder. They may just diet for a time, um, binge for a time, or and then move out of it. Um, but if a child is headed that way, it's so important for them to get help. And I think that that's what made such a huge impact for um, one of my kids who struggled is that when she went into the doctor and told the doctor that she wasn't eating properly, because of course they asked questions like that, you know, to, to look for that. Um, and they came out and told me that she, she was struggling with an eating disorder. Um, we immediately went into 
getting the help that she needed. So she got a, t a team of doctors that were there to help her, um, a, a psychologist, a nutritionist, and a doctor that specialized in eating disorders specifically. So um, it actually didn't take very long of seeing all of those doctors before we were able to start writing the wrongs in, in the case of that child. And um, some of that came from, from me having to be very on top of their diet. So I, I ended up having to do things like, um, you know, force the child to eat in front of me, or if they were at school and couldn't, um, she was required to send me videos of her eating. Now, obviously, that didn't stop her from going and throwing up the food afterwards. Uh, but I think with the help of the other doctors, that she was able to recognize that what she was doing was going to be extraordinarily harmful to herself. Um, and the other thing was is that we ended up eventually removing her from the situation where she was in a place where, where it was so important for her to be super thin. Um, she did eventually end up quitting all of her dance classes, but she had been in a special school for dance, and we removed her from that school. Um, and that, I think, also made a huge impact. I think the important thing to remember when you are, when you have a kid who's struggling, um, is that there is help available and to not be afraid to get that help. There can be so much shame and, and um, embarrassment that comes from that, not only for your, your child themselves, but as a parent. I can't tell you how awful it felt to, to see my kids struggling and realize that I didn't know and that I wasn't aware. And you f I felt like such a terrible mom. Um, but it did help when seeing some of that child's doctors, um, they made a very specific point to let us know as the parents that it wasn't our fault, that we were not to blame, that uh, some kids just have a switch that gets flipped and they, they get to that point where they, they need serious help. Um, and so that is probably the number one thing I want to tell you, my mama friends, is that if your child is struggling with eating disorder, it is not your fault. You did not cause it. Nothing you did made it happen. There was a variety of factors that all led to this perfect storm of your child suffering in this way. But the good news is you can help. And um, I want to kind of talk through some of the things that you can do to help. So the, the first thing I would suggest is communication. Communication is key. Having conversations about eating habits, about body image, in a positive and productive way is, is number one. So encouraging healthy eating habits, which is so hard when you are dealing with a teen because they often are not gonna listen to what you have to say about food, um, or at least they come off that way. But have the conversations anyway. Talk to them about how their diet affects their health. That is something that we do in our house now on a regular basis. We talk about fueling our body, giving our body what it needs so that it can function at its best level. 
Um, and that, that, that means t eating fruits and vegetables. That means not always eating junk food. Does that mean you never eat junk food? Of course not. Of course you can have junk food now and again. Absolutely. But you also got to have those fruits and vegetables. You also have to make sure you're incorporating healthy fats. You're incorporating um, good amounts of protein. And I, that can be hard too. I know so many teens in this day and age who want to be vegetarian or vegan. They don't, they don't want to eat meat. I, I've got several in my own house that are that way. And I'm like, that's fine. You don't want to eat meat. I get that. But then you have to get your protein from other sources. So, you know, we talk about what that means. Um, it's important also to discuss what they see in the media, right? Talk about how distorted things are in the media now. Uh, the, the filters that you see, the way that you can angle your body to make yourself look thinner. I mean, all of this stuff, Photoshop, for goodness sakes. You can, you can do all sorts of crazy things right on your phone with your, with your body to make it look different than it actually is. And, you know, talk about how what we see is not necessarily truth. Um, talk about self-esteem and self-image and the fact that body image is different uh, for different people. I have all four of my kids have very different body types. It's almost kind of crazy to me, but they, but they do. And so not one of them seems to have one, the same body type as another. Um, and so we talk about it a lot in our house that, that we're shaped differently, that I look different from my eldest and that, um, my other kids look different from each other too. And, and that our bodies go through changes. This is especially helpful when they're starting to go through puberty. I have one who's in that stage right now, who's, um, gotten a little heavier lately and it's, it's because her body is changing and she, and we talk about the fact that it's okay that her body is changing, that, that it's what is important is what you put into your body, that it's good for you and that it feeds you and it fuels you and it gives you what you need so you can do gymnastics or play soccer or do lacrosse or dance or whatever it might be that the fueling is the important piece, right? Um, helping your child to feel like their things are I don't want to say within their control because there's so much that's without our control, but that was what came to mind, but that, that they, that they have choices and, um, talking about hard things in the house can help them work through their control struggles, right? Talk about your own struggles with control. I mean, I always joke that I'm a control freak and I want my kids to, to understand that that's not necessarily a good thing, that there are things outside of our control. Um, and that's, that's okay too. What we can control is who we are as people and how we live our lives. Um, and that includes making sure that we're fueling our body so that it can, can work to its optimum ability, right? Um, and then of course, talking about the dangers of dieting, emotional eating, binge eating, all of those things. Talk to them about anorexia. Talk to them about bulimia. Let them know what, what those things are and what the damages that can be, can, can happen through those. And if, 
If, my friends, you suspect that your teen might have an eating disorder, please get help. Reach out to professionals. Bring them to the doctor to talk to, their, their, to, to your child. Um, and the doctor will then recommend if they need more intense support. Um, but there is no shame in that. There really isn't. None of us can do this parenting thing all by ourselves. We need a team of people to support us, and doctors are one of those people on our team. So please, if you think that your teen might be struggling, take some steps, take some action, um, and realize, like I said earlier, that this is not your fault. You are not to blame but you can be a part of helping them find a solution. So that is all I have for you today, my friends. I hope that you have an amazing week and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Almost Obsolete. If you'd like to reach out to me, I'd love to hear from you. My website is www.suzyjohn.com.